Starbucks has created a blend in his name. Coffee beans roast themselves in his presence. Baristas have a week dedicated to him. Jolt apologized for not being caffeinated enough. When he orders instant, it turns into regular. His beans grind themselves. Juan Valdez built a shrine in his honor. Decaffeinated recaffeinates when he is near. He is the most caffeinated man in the world. Now, I don't always need my coffee and tech news together. But when I do, I prefer the caffeination. Stay caffeinated, my friends. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Caffeination 543. That there is the voice of Norbert Davis. He sent me that back when I was doing the podcast originally, and I found it again deep in the archives, so I happily dusted that bad boy off and... uh, (laughs) I love it. So it's from the most interesting man in the world kind of bit from a a beer commercial. So he uh, modified it for for use for me. So thank you very much, Norbert, for uh, sending that along. Um, All right. We have a fine feathered podcast here for you tonight. This is called the Super Fakery Edition here at the Caffeination Podcast. Now we're going to start it the same way we usually do. Hey out there, everybody, and welcome to Caffeination 543. We have a wonderful show lined up for you tonight. What exactly do we cover? Well, you're going to hear we're going to have some tasty vittles, wonderful shiny technology. We're going to have robots that can swim and skip stones, but not both at the same time. Uh, We are going to have fake meat, meat scams, and cold coffee. We're also going to send you back in history to the worst fire in U.S. history and built technology that helps stop that from reoccurring. Also, this is the first episode done with the Gutenberg editor in WordPress, so I'm going to spend a little time at the front end of this this, uh, podcast rather talking about what that exactly means. And uh, if you are on WordPress, uh, how it's going to change your uh, particular editing process, if you haven't already tried it out, that is. So, uh, yeah, this is a wonderful show that we got lined up for you. If you are looking for this podcast and any of its other podcast brethren, then you can find them lovingly nestled over at www.caffination.com. That's caffeination.com. Being the name of the show, we decided a good place to put them would be all you know under the same name. All right, uh, if you are looking for me, that is Paul, then you can find me over at caffeination at gmail.com or paul at caffeination.com. Steve, when he's here, you can find him at steve at caffeination.com. You can get me at Twitter at, at caffeination. I am the caffeination on Instagram and a host of other uh, social platforms are all listed uh, lovingly over at the website. If you have any audio feedback, you can leave that at 215 240 one nine. Everything else you can, including joining the Facebook fan page, or if you're uh, interested, you can join our mailing list to get this stuff shot right to your inbox as soon as it goes live. So. <laughs> Yeah, we have a wonderful show lined up, like I said. If you'd like to support our show, please consider clicking on some of the Amazon links that we have for you there. Most of the uh, products that we talk about on the show are are affiliate links, so if you happen to buy them because you happen to like them, then you happen to be supporting the show, and we happen to enjoy that as well. So thank you very much. 
the show is also sponsored in part by Puzzle Piece Production, design that fits. That means that if you need a new website or a fancy logo, then you can create something beautiful by working with us. It's not just me creating something beautiful, although I like to think I do a good job. It's actually a collaborative process between you, me, and everybody else who's in on it. Uh, So it's not really one thing or the other. It just so happens that we have to work together to make that beautiful magic that is the new design come to fruition. So I happen to love design. I love good design. I love creating it. So if you head on over to PuzzlePiecePro.com, you can uh, check out some of the work that we have posted over there. Or if you are looking at Caffeination.com, that happens to be one of the websites I design because, hey, it's my website. I'm going to design it. And it's really funny. I got to tell you, every once in a while, I get either the uh, Domain Registry of America letters in the mail, like the actual mailbox mail. And they say, you know, your website is uh, unoptimized and we really could help you. Uh, If you want us to uh, secure your domain name for the next year, just give us $95. I'm like, yeah, dude, over at Namecheap, it's like $11 a year. I don't know what you're smoking, but uh, everywhere else, it's it's pretty cheap. <laughs> $95 a year, and that gets you nothing. So that just goes to say, even if you're just looking for somebody to, to lead you on the straight and narrow when it comes to getting your business online, I'll gladly lend a hand and get you out on the, on your way. All right, speaking of, speaking of geek life, uh, good design on the run. That's uh, one of the things that we've been working on recently is actually doing a lot of the designs while I'm on the move. So... Uh, and that's mainly actually for my day job. Uh, my day job right now is actually uh, creating design for Temple University. So uh, I've been having some fun on some of the projects that we got going on over there. And uh, I'm doing a couple redesigns, including a new website in Drupal. So that's always interesting, always uh, special. So it, it's uh, kind of fun working on things on, from a mobile platform as opposed to doing everything uh, sitting in my office. So uh, that's one of the things that I've been doing geeky this week. Another thing that I've been doing geeky this week is I've been reading a lot of comics, and by a lot of comics, I meant uh, the Hellbook, rather Hellboy Omnibus, Volumes 1 and Volumes 2 uh, came out very recently. When Volume 1 came out, I got it, and I finished it right before I left for New Mexico, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and uh, now, as soon as we came back, I picked up Volume 2. If you are in any way, shape, or form a fan of Hellboy, you owe it to yourself to purchase these volumes. They have everything in chronological order so you don't have to worry about uh, Mike Mignola uh, slipping back and forth Um, when it comes to art styles his is unlike anything else I've ever seen except uh, bar one and this one exception is a game that just went on sale on Steam called uh, Darkest Dungeon and I think they actually took their inspiration from Mike Mignola's work so uh, I I love the way that he plays with light and shadow I just love the, the the depth that his writing has as well so it for me the there's there's almost not a better character in all of comics than hellboy because you know it's it's the ultimate redemption story for those of you who don't know hellboy was actually specifically brought to this planet to help bring about the end times and he goes on to become a very rather sardonic uh, surly and sarcastic, uh, yeah, a little alliteration there, uh, creature that fights against the things that go bump in the night, he bumps back, as the uh, case may be. So, as well as a whole cast of other characters that work with him, it's a real, real joy to read those kind of things. So if that 
is up your alley. You can head on over and uh, check those out. Uh, I believe Amazon actually has the first couple pages, so you can see them. Um, for 20 bucks, roughly, it's not a bad 200 pages of comics, if, you re- if you're into comics at all. It's also a really good time to be into superheroes. So, uh, oh, before we get into that, I wanted to mention a couple little things about the uh, the Gutenberg editor. So I know I, know I had uh, mentioned it at the top of the show. So we're probably going to mention that actually at the uh, end of the Geek Cruft section here, and I, I just have to move some things around. But the uh, it is a very good time for superheroes. Uh, the first thing that's come out recently is the Arrowverse. That is the uh, TV universe centered around the TV show Arrow on the CW. Uh, is branching out into new territory. They're actually bringing out a Batwoman comic. Not Batgirl. Batwoman and Batgirl are two very different characters, if you don't know this. Batwoman is a lesbian in the comics, and they actually cast a lesbian to play her. They cast Ruby Rose, who was on Orange is the New Black, and if you watched John Wick Volume 2, she is the assassin that attempted to kill Keanu Reeves in his hotel room, uh, thus violating the all kinds of uh, different little things... <laughs> Uh, different little uh, prohibitions by the uh, Artemis Hotel. So uh, it 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 was a glorious fight scene. Actually, both John Wick movies, for, for my money, it can't get much better than that. And the funny thing is, we turned, uh, my wife and I turned on the first one, and it was one of those things where I was like, my wife is going to hate this. She's going to stop about 10 minutes into it, and she's never going to watch it again. And we were both rooted there. <laughs> and it, it just, it grabbed you. It doesn't let go. It's a phenomenal ride. So, and she fit right into that cast. So you know that when it comes time for Batwoman to lay down some serious uh, whooping, she's going to be able to do it. And that's all that I want a character to be able to do. And one of the cool things about this, at least for me... um, when you have a, a rather diverse group of friends, you get a lot of different uh, viewpoints that you wouldn't normally have. So one of the things that I've been made aware of is that representation matters. And I know that a lot of people are going to roll their eyes at that, but when it comes down to it, when you have superheroes that are out there that are blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and you are not blonde-haired and blue-eyed, or if you have superheroes who are out there who are brown-haired, light-skinned, and, you know, the, the typical all-American Superman kind of thing, you know, when you have these people out there on the pages, if you don't look like that, you might enjoy the comics, but you don't necessarily relate to it on a visceral level. However, when there's Muslim superheroes, when there's uh, superheroes that are out there that are women, that are people of color, that are different gender identities... There are all these different things that exist currently in comics. It's really awesome when you actually get actresses and actors who are that way in real life to play them that way on the screen. So that way, people who identify that way, or people, not even who identify, but people who are that way, when they see that out there, it's one of those things where you feel a little bit more ownership towards it. And the only way it was explained to me is, you know, it's great when you see a little kid who's, you know, putting on a Black Panther mask and saying, you know, hey, this superhero looks like me. Or when you see somebody else out there who says, you know what, I I just want to be able to enjoy something for what it is. 
And I, I, I fully support that. And I, I realized that, you know, I was kind of a little bit spoiled growing up because it, <laughs> as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid, there's there's a quite a fair amount of th- people that I could look like. Uh, and uh, there's not a lot of other people out there who had the same advantages. So it's really cool to see comic books and superheroes in general be a lot more inclusive. Now, if that bothers you, I'm sorry that it does. It's not like... Uh, People are taking away anything that you already have. You still look the way that you do, and you still are the way that you are. And I'm not going to get all preachy on a whole bunch of other stuff, but uh, I got to say that overall, for me, the Arrowverse, you know, the the universe centered around the TV show Arrow, is so much better than the DC Universe uh, movies, with the exception of Wonder Woman and possibly Aquaman. Um, that. I, you know, Aquaman hasn't, it obviously isn't out yet, so I don't know yet. I can't really uh, pass judgment on it. But it's one of those things where when you're looking at it, you're like, okay, well, that looks like it might be good. But Superman was really kind of a miss for me. I mean, Superman doesn't kill people, let's put it that way. But when you're looking at the TV show representations, they have a lot more time to tell the stories. The stories can be more nuanced. You can get character development. They put people in positions to make their characters more believable they put people i mean as believable as you want to have for somebody who runs faster than time itself when you're talking about the flash although i happen to enjoy (laughs) the flash a whole lot better than i do the flash in the movies he was more than a little twitchy um so i don't know anybody else out there who uh who really (laughs) you know what what people think of i know that's not a compromising at all uh, position to take up. It's not one that's going to really say, oh my god, I can't believe you don't like the DC Universe. Because I'm pretty sure that most of the people out there actually agree with uh, my take on it. I think they've had a lot of opportunities, and I think they've missed rather resoundingly on most of them. Uh, I'm also one of the... Now, I know I could get hate mail for this, but (laughs) I'm also somebody who really doesn't enjoy Christian Bale's Batman a lot. I think that those movies were much more villain-centric, and they were better showcases of the villain, with the exception of the third one, um, where I think they had Bane nailed to rights up until the end when they had Talia al Ghul come in. It's one of those things where in like Spider-Man 3, where he got all emo, they just tried to throw too many villains in to make it work. And just for me, that that's one of those things where I can look at it and say, you know what? If you, if you had just toned it back a little, it would have been a perfect villain story. And it's centered around the villain. The villain is everybody. There is who people were focused on after that. The, the Batman version that we saw was really unmemorable aside from his rather gruff voice. And the funny thing is, if you actually take American Psycho... Um, I know, going wide afield here, but if you actually take Christian Bale's portrayal of the character in American Psycho as the rich, snooty Bruce Wayne, it's even more fun to think about that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I digress. So, all right, and there's another thing that's out right now, and we've been watching it here in our house. The Avengers Infinity War is now out so that you can see that. Uh, It's out on Blu-ray, DVD, and all the other methods of uh, watching it digitally and beyond. And then lastly, but most certainly not least, uh, something that we're hoping to make time for here in the Caffeination household, Teen Titans Go! is in the theaters. Now, if you don't have children of a certain age, I'm saying anywhere from around like 4 or 5 up until like 10 or 11, you might not be aware of exactly how awesome Teen Titans Go! is. It doesn't try and be the old Teen Titans cartoon. Now, I love cartoons. 
I am unabashedly infantile when it comes to my love of cartoons. I don't care who knows it. I don't care <laughs> what people say about it. I, you know, it, it's just one of those things where uh, I'm happy to like cartoons more than regular scripted TV for the most part. And I'm not a reality show junkie at all. Um, so... Teen Titans Go, much like uh, Phineas and Ferb used to be on the Disney Channel, Disney XD rather, um, but they they weave in humor for all levels. And even before that, you had Animaniacs and Looney Tunes, but they had hum- humor for all levels. So it was the parents would be watching it and actually get engrossed in the story because it was a it was a nuanced story. And then you'd uh, have the people who were a little bit older watching it and they're thinking it's funny because there's a uh, jokes where people are farting and then you'd have even even something else where there's just there's so many different types of humor and there's so many different types of references that kids aren't necessarily going to get that it it was really really it's really really fun to watch with the uh with the kids and now they have a movie out so i can't wait to see that so hopefully uh we're going to be able to do that in in short order because i don't know when uh, our schedule will allow but it, it's one of those fun things to think about all right next little thing that we got for you here is over at 99 percent invisible they have an entire article about the devil's broom the fire that inspired the national network of lookout towers now the forestry service is the current national organization that is tasked with putting out forest fires as quickly as possible. Now, with the tragic and horrible massive current fire that's raging in California right now, uh, the fine folks over at 99% Invisible did a little bit of digging into some of the other large fires that we've had throughout the United States' history. And this is kind of, you know, one of the fires to end all fires. It's the Great Fire of 1910. Uh, Apparently, the fire was in... um, Washington State, Idaho, and Montana covered parts of three states. You could see the smoke theoretically, or actually reportedly, you could see the smoke from New York. People in ships at sea in Hawaii were reporting seeing haze and not being able to navigate correctly. I mean, this is a massive, massive fire fire that burned uncontrolled and unabated for many, many years. So there, since by the 1930s, they had over 5,000 individual fire towers, and these things were designed specifically so that people could get a nice good lookout and actually, you know, work quickly to work together to hopefully get out in front of these fires. And they talk a little bit—I'm not going to— um, I'm not going to actually go through the entire article here, but if that's something that you're interested in, everything from how the towers would signal each other, they used something called a heliograph, which actually used the sun and mirrors to communicate tower to tower. They used sight lines so that it would actually uh, was unreliant on um, things like... uh, electricity or anything else so the towers could be completely cut off and they could still work and the funny thing is that currently uh, there are still some of these towers left that are currently still in use and there's other ones that have been uh, converted to houses and rented out by the public and the interesting thing about the ones that are still left is that they're actually in places where there's very spotty or poor cell phone coverage and satellite phones and cell phones would take too long to get a message back to a base station so these things are 
the, the entire article engrossed me, and I, I just wanted to share it with the group. Hopefully, you find some interesting bit of news on that, and uh, I can share that <laughs> with the rest of everybody. All right, moving right along. Disney's streaming service might not actually have Star Wars. Now, in case you were unaware, Captain Marvel, the movie that is set to come out in the next couple months, will be the first movie not to directly premiere on Netflix when it comes time to actually release the streaming version of it. So Disney is going to be launching their own streaming service that's going to have all the Marvel movies, that's going to have a whole bunch of other stuff. And I, for one, am really, really, really tired of this segmentation and splintering of a lot of the different streaming services. I don't want to have to pay dribs and drabs to all these different little places. What they're going to do is they're going to fund, uh, they're going to force people into pirating some of these things because it's like, hey, you know, why am I going to pay Disney 12 bucks a month, Netflix 15 bucks a month, and then I'm going to go over to Hulu, pay them whoever knows how much a month, and then I can get Showtime through Hulu. It, it's... I mean, it's going to kill cable companies eventually, which is the the general thought behind some of this. But I don't want to have the, that much segmentation in the streaming services. I just want to be able to go one place and say, hey, I'd like to watch a movie. I don't think that's too much to ask. I know that there's rights management and everything. But the funny thing is, back in the 1990s, Disney or uh, the original company that that owned the rights to Star Wars, or not 1990s, early 2000s, the company that owned the rights to Star Wars sold the streaming rights to a different company. So I think that's to Universal. So they have the streaming rights to the prequels and the original trilogy. So Turner still has them. So Disney wants to limit where else you can see the movies in order to uh, get their streaming service in order. And uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where I wonder if they're going to offer multiple versions of the original trilogies, because I'd rather see the original, original ones and not the touched up ones where uh, Han shoots second and uh, he steps on Jabba's tail. And I want to see, you know, the original uncut or the original cut of the uh, of the movies, because I think that would be a lot better. All right. So that, that's my little mini rant there. I'm tired of uh, having to pay 15 different things, but it's still it's a lot better than paying 250 bucks for cable. So, all right, next little thing that we got for you here is a drone that is capable of swimming around and taking 4K video underwater. Now, this is an unbelievable drone. It's the BW Space UUV drone. It has what looks like an iPad stuck into the center of a controller, and then the uh, device itself, it, it looks like it's tethered, so uh, it, it actually jumps into... Uh, into the uh, water, and then it's uh, tethered there so you can play around with it that way. Uh, it's uh, currently on Kickstarter, and uh, it, it's pretty impressive, I gotta say. I usually don't do Kickstarter-centric projects, but there's two specific um, Kickstarter projects. Oh, no, sorry, this is untethered. It had, like, a charging cable or something in it. But uh, there's two specific uh, Kickstarter projects that are mentioned on today's show, and I just wanted to share it with the group because I thought it was pretty awesome. So it's an under autonomous underwater drone technology is the company. So it can take 4K high-definition video, ultra-high-definition photos, has an internal hard drive of 128 gigs of memory. It has a photo and video editing app on the controller itself, and you can do live streaming video. It also has uh, social media... <laughs> 
It can dive up to 100 meters. It can do, go 2 meters a second as, as uh, top speed. It has 500 meter max range. Uh, it has its own carrying case, seven hours of battery life, and easy-to-use app controls. Now, the funny thing that I really want to see, you know how when you're flying a drone around, well, I don't know personally, but I know that from when you are flying a drone around, if it gets outside of your range, it just sinks down. That's for the most part. It just lands itself. So I'm wondering, if this thing gets out of the 500-meter range, does it then surface? Does it attempt to surface? If it goes too far down, does it automatically right itself and start shooting itself back up to the top? What happens if a fish bites it? Because, <laughs> I mean, th- th- it's not like you can uh, watch it fly around. I mean, th- there's a lot of money invested in these kind of things. So uh, just checking to see what they have up there and some of the stuff that they actually have in some of the, the different videos, it's incredibly, incredibly awesome. So uh, you're, one of the things that they have listed over on the Kickstarter page is the 50-meter uh, tether version with no remote is $659. The controller with 100-meter uh, tether is $1,000. The premium one with 150-meter tether is 1059 And they don't have the full version there, but yeah. So the, the, it can get pretty, pretty uh, pricey there pretty quickly. But then again, you're dealing with some high-end uh, quality manufacturing. So then from the highest of the high end, we move to some of the lowest of the low. This robot perfectly skips stones, and it's called Skippa, S-K-I-P-P-I-A. So it's a rock skipper. That's it. That's all it does. One uh, one <laughs> dryer duct uh sits on the water end, and it uh, shoots at a rock at a 20-degree angle. And that's about it. It's a science project perfect for skipping rocks. <laughs> There's not much else to say beyond that. All right, now for a little bit of retro love on my own part. Uh, the Mini PC, almost 40 years in the making. Yes, the Retro C64 Mini. Yes, a Commodore 64, my first computer is actually coming out a mini version of it. So it has USB ports instead of those clunky other ports that used to be on there. I don't even know what kind of ports those were. But it also has a whole bunch of other stuff, and it's in as a scale model. So it's a half-scale version of the original. I'm wondering what they did for the cart spaces on the back of the C64. I don't know what they have in that area so it's going to have it's going to be uh, released uh, for pre-order around October 31st and it's starting at uh, $79.99 it comes with one controller or one joystick rather um, and it's preloaded with 30 games now here's the problem I have with it some of the games that are, are in there are pretty cool and pretty awesome but none of the ones are really the ones that I remember. I don't remember a lot of these uh, Temple of Asphalt, Asphalt Trilogy, the Ark of the Cycle, or the, or, sorry, the Ark of uh, Yassad, the Thing on a Spring, Tower Toppler, Trailblazer, West Banker, Who Dares Win It 2, Winter Games, World Games, and Zenaps. What I want is Zork. What I want is uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, and uh, I want the Ultima games. Yeah, where's Ultima 1 through 5? I still have the cloth map. I can still make it work. Where are all the text adventure games? Those are the ones that I really enjoyed playing on the Commodore 64. I want uh, some of the Dungeon Hopper games. I I want all that stuff, and it, it doesn't seem to be there. As long as I can still load it on there 
and have it stick in memory, I'd be fine with it. But $80 is a little bit of a, of a big jump. It is high def, so you can have your pixels as big as you want them. It comes with... Uh, it's well high def is in 720p it's not 1080i it has uh it can work in the US and Europe it has uh, CRT filter options so it can look just like it used to it has two S- two USB ports and a USB plugging keyboard as well as a uh, fully functional home computer with basic already installed on it it supports a second joystick for two player games it also supports software updates via USB flash drives. Now, I don't understand, but I don't know if you can add other things to it, and that's where I'm kind of sticking on it. So if you could add other games to it, I'd be right there. Like, absolutely no no problem at all. All right, next little thing we have for you here is erasable tech. Somebody made a phone case that you can write on, and easily, and then you can erase it. So that that's it. You can head on over to Trend Hunter and check this one out. I thought I saw it, thought it was awesome, and wanted to share it with the group. I'm somebody who carries a notebook with me pretty much everywhere, so uh, I, I I I can understand the need to be able to jot something down, you know, with a pen and paper or a pencil and paper. I think it works with either one, but uh, I I kind of think it's really awesome that you can just do a little doodle on the back, and then uh, maybe you can put like a clear cover over it so you can draw your own phone case for a little while. So that would be fun as well. So I'm just sharing with the with the group on that one. All right, now we're gonna get back to. Uh, to WordPress. So for you, those of you out there who are playing around with WordPress, who are doing your own sites, the new editor is a little bit of a learning curve. I got to tell you, I did one article before this uh, episode and then this episode to see exactly how easy it was going to be to do. Um, it is a pain in the rear end to edit older content on. So it it's installed as a plugin. It, it WordPress will ask you if you want to try the new editor out and it's still in... Uh, late beta stage so it's not like a final release candidate or anything like that but what it does is it actually separates everything out into blocks which i kind of really like it's it's set up so that um as you're sitting there entering content when you hit enter it just starts a new block of text and then all of the options for that block are on the right hand side so you can uh, change the alignment of the text you can uh, add in features and then most of the other options are directly above it you can change things to a heading so it takes a little bit of getting used to so I would actually take them up on their uh, test post so they have a pre-built in test post that has layouts already done and it's specifically done for rich media so this is something where it's really easy to add full color photos in. It's really easy to move things around and make sure that everything looks as pretty as you want it to be. The thing that I've found to be a little bit difficult on it is after I had pictures that were moved to the one side or the other, I had a problem where I couldn't get back in to move that picture out of that block of text. So I know that they're, that, uh, they're working on it still, and it's kind of funny. They have all kinds of different uh, blocks that you can use, and they have all kinds of different layouts that are in there. So the editor is just the beginning. Apparently they're going to be uh, migrating to a whole new system for the entirety of WordPress over the next couple of uh, things. But uh, it's it's really fun. So if you actually head on over to WordPress.org slash Gutenberg, which I also have a link in the show notes, 
notes. And for those of you who are unaware, the show notes uh, that we have here are fully operational links. You know, it, it's now you can experience the power of a fully operational uh, list of links. Uh, but what this is is basically as I'm talking about something, I go through and then I click on all the links so that you can click on all the links. Um, so you can head on over there and play around with some of the editing capability. You can move boxes up and down on the actual page where they have Gutenberg set up. So it's kind of an interesting way to, to showcase it. So you can see how galleries look. You can see how uh, images look. They have animations, a whole bunch of other different things. And they also it also works really, really well when it comes to embedding content. So I, I pasted a couple affiliate links in there, and it just dropped it into the plain text link that I wanted to. I didn't have to sit there and play with the text side of things and then go into the code view. And it, it it's really a much simpler way to do the editing. So uh, you know, my hat's off to the fine folks at Automatic because this is really, really a nice uh, editing piece. All right, moving right along to the uh, food and caffeinated bits here at the section at the Caffeination Podcast. And we are running right along schedule. The Sudden Instant Coffee, this one's over from CaffeineInformer.com. Sudden Instant Coffee is a tiny little tube with instant coffee in there that is capable of making a single origin instant coffee. So... Uh, it, it's kind of interesting, to, to, to me at least, that they have single origin instant now. So there's two different varieties that are available, and there is a free trial. So if, you bef- if you'd like to try before you buy, you can do that as well, and you can check on over there. There's a medium, medium roasted Cristalina, so it's a single origin Colombian. Then there's a light ro- roasted Reos del Sol. It's a single origin Peruvian. So both of these coffees are available via the instant coffee, and they come in at 95 milligrams of caffeine per 12 fluid ounce cup. So it's a little bit high on the caffeine me- meter there, and uh, this you know it's one of the first times I'm actually playing around with the caffeine informer. But uh, I wanted to share it with the group because I thought it was pretty awesome. All right, moving right along, we have a link over to INeedCoffee.com and the fine folks there, uh, specifically Michael Allen Smith, uh, has a wonderful rundown of the Java Maestro pour-over coffee dripper. Now, if you've seen the standard pour-over coffee drippers, now these things are usually plastic. There's usually a couple holes poked in the bottom. You put a paper filter in there, you fill it with the coffee, then you slowly pour the coffee into it, and then it drips down through it. Now, what this does is it actually removes the need for the paper filter and it's a fine mesh screen. So it's solid up at the top, and then it's a fine mesh screen down towards the bottom. So that as you pour things through, it drips all the way down and then comes in. So that rather the top rim is solid, and then it has a fine mesh screen all the way down. So this is a really, really interesting way to do coffee. And it because of the way that it's structured, it doesn't end up pouring out all over the place through the capillary action. It actually... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, hugs the side of the thing and then drips down into the center of your coffee cup. And I got to say, this is one of those things where uh, I'd be really interested to give it a shot myself. So uh, as soon as it gets back in stock over at Amazon, uh, there's a uh, affiliate link over at INeedCoffee.com, so you can check out that. There are a couple other versions of it that are available on the site that are uh, listed there. There's one that's $15. There's one that's 42 I don't know if your coffee will taste any different. But the biggest difference between doing this versus having a paper filter is the same thing that you would have if you had uh, traditional coffee versus a French press. 
Um, with a French press, you're actually getting a lot more of the oils that come through. So the coffee ends up being a little bit smoother, a little bit creamier. You can also get some of the grounds that are in it, unless you have this... Uh, the French press that I was talking about uh, on a couple episodes ago where it had the uh, double screen and had significantly less grounds, almost next to none. Um, but when the oils come through, you end up getting a lot of the good cholesterol that's actually in coffee. And uh, so it's kind of an interesting way to uh, to kind of situate that. All right. So uh, you can head on over to the fine folks at INeedCoffee.com and check out their full write-up. Uh, specifically, Mass's write-up uh, is <laughs> gives you the rundown of how they actually have it done, how you're supposed to uh, brew the coffee and and everything from top to bottom, and uh, including cleanup, which is always very important. So you can head on over there and check that out. The next thing that we got for you here is over at coffeereview.com, kind of a self-explanatory name, but they did the hard work for us here. So they actually have a full rundown of cold black coffee. So uh, I I love this topic, and I've been enjoying as many different types of cold black coffee as I can, but I have never seen in my life 24 different varieties of canned, bottled, cold-brewed coffee. So, the fine folks over at coffeereview.com, however, have reviewed 24 different varieties of cold-brewed coffee, and they have posted their results. Now, the winner was States Coffee and Mercantile Reserve Cold Brew made with coffee from Tanzania, courtesy of States Coffee. So that scored 94 out of everything, and then they have a... This is a full article on how they did their reviews. And then if you want a full listing of how they did their review, Blue Bottle came in second, Cadence Cold Brew Coffee came in third, Modern Times Coffee came in fourth, all the way down. And now the funny thing is, Pete's Coffee came in uh, a little bit lower than that, and I'm not seeing any of the other ones that I would expect to have on there. Uh, personally, I love La Colombe Coffee. That's a Philadelphia-based brand. I also really, really, really like another local Philly brand called Saxby's. Uh, they are uh, a chain that is uh, currently expanding out uh, slightly wider. The same thing with La Colombe. La Colombe is... Uh, Expanded up to New York. I think they have one in Chicago and down in Miami, possibly. And Saxby's is expanding much more locally. They're hitting a lot of the college campuses. They have Nitro and a couple other different uh, uh, more popular styles of coffee. But theirs was the first cold brew that I ever had that tasted like it had sugar in it, but it didn't. (laughs) There was absolutely nothing in it other than regular good honest-to-goodness, fantastically blended coffee. So if you ever happen upon a Saxby's, you'll know that it has the full caffeination stamp of approval. All right, next on down the line is coffee that's hot but not too hot. That's right, we have an article from that wonderful website known as The Caffeination over at www.caffinatio.com. I've been told I say that rather quickly, so if you slow it down, it's C-A-F-F-I-N-A-T-I-O. ION.com, caffeination.com. Anyway, there's a Kickstarter currently out there for something called the Yi One. And the Yi One is a coffee mug where you can pour almost boiling, scalding hot coffee into it and then less than three seconds later sip hot, sippable coffee. So it takes it from 200 degrees Fahrenheit down to 150 degrees Fahrenheit within three seconds. 
And the way that they do this is that there's a special chamber at the bottom, and then you take a metal straw or you take a uh, straw of some material that goes down through the hot, heated coffee and into the chamber at the bottom. Now, the chamber at the bottom, through some sort of science magicery, uh, is somehow colder than the rest. I don't understand it entirely. I just thought it was pretty awesome. Unfortunately, they don't use unicorns blowing on the coffee to actually make it. I don't know why I was stuck on unicorns when I wrote this article last night, but it's kind of funny. To me, at least, (laughs) the price point with this thing is the sticking point for me. Now, if I want coffee, I would be willing to pay good money for good coffee. If I want coffee, I'm willing to pay a decent amount for a good travel mug that doesn't spill. This thing supposedly doesn't spill. That's fine. I am not willing to pay $99 for a travel mug. That is a price point that is also a sticking point for me. I don't know if anybody else out there would be willing to pay $99, but if you would, I got $99, but this ain't one of them. (laughs) I am not going to uh, be heading down this road. Uh, You can head on over there to check out the Yee One Kickstarter if you're interested in the physics behind it. But uh, it's one of those things where I just had to share because I thought it was awesome, but at the same point in time, uh, it's a little bit uh, hinky, if you ask me, price point-wise. Uh, I, I understand the uh, the reasoning behind some of it due to the premium materials that they're using. For instance, one of the uh, the heat um, transference materials is actually silver-plated. So as soon as you silver-plate something, you, you're already going really high up. And I don't know how you're going to silver-plate something and then not have tarnish be an issue. So I, I don't know. That's just me. All right, now the next little thing for you here, uh, this is from over at foodbeast.com. Tomahawks are pound for pound the biggest scam in the steak world. Now, everybody has seen these things out there. They look like giant meat tomahawks. They are basically, for lack of a better uh, word, a scam. And uh, it's a bone-in ribeye where they leave the rib section all the way in. Uh, so if you look at it, so the in a restaurant you can pay fifty nine dollars for a bone in ribeye versus one hundred and nineteen dollars for a tomahawk steak. I don't know if there's anybody out there who's had a tomahawk steak. I mean, maybe it's worth it to keep the utensils clean if you have that at home. But I'd rather have the rib portion of the meat as well. So if you just give me everything from the uh, moo on back, I'm pretty good myself. But uh, yeah, the uh, the idea of uh, the primal sense of holding something by the bone and then picking it off, I could see how that could be useful, how that could be like a, a sales point, but uh, it, it it's pretty ridiculous. So, uh, <laughs> And the best part is the meat that they cut off the rib section to actually create the tomahawks is they can sell as short ribs after the fact. So uh, you can head on over to Food Beast and uh, check that out. All right, now the next thing that we got for you here is another scam. This is fakery of the highest order. This is watermelon that's been smoked to look like a ham. If you haven't seen this yet, head on over to the link that we provided in YouTube. Basically, they brine this thing for a couple days, then they smoke it for a couple hours, then they uh, simmer it in its own juices, they score the top, and then they cut it. The best part is, is the person from the insider who's actually doing this it doesn't look like she enjoys the creation at the end. And you know what, vegans? 
I am perfectly fine with you eating meatless, uh, with you uh, having a meatless lifestyle. But stop trying to mess up things that look like meat. If you really want meat, you know what? Nobody's going to judge you if you have bacon every now and then. It's it's going to be all right. But, uh, yeah, apparently she said that she couldn't describe the taste. So it's salty, it's sweet, it's smoky, and it does not taste like any meat she's ever had before. But she also didn't say in the something like three minutes and 30 seconds in the video that it was ever good. It says that it's something that everybody should try at least once in their life, but it never said that it was something that everybody should enjoy or that it would be enjoyable. All right, and moving on to the next little bit of fakery that we found for you here. This one's again over at foodbeast.com. A company is making plant-based grocery aisle tuna to help save the oceans. Now, I already already told my wife that she is going to be on the line to to, uh, specifically attempt to try this in December 2018 as it comes out. Flavors are going to be included naked vegan tuna in water, Mediterranean, and olive oil with herbs. Uh, it is a proprietary blend of lentils and legumes that are going to go into one flaky mixture that looks but does not smell like tuna. Because tuna overfishing is a very real problem, an environmental problem that, that is out there. The way that they actually get you to have the omega-3 fatty acids that come with fish, but none of the other stuff is that they also use the omega-3 fatty acids that come from algae. So this is algae-flavored soybeans and other kinds of beans and legumes, but uh, it's none of the fishy goodness. I, I don't know about you, but that does not seem... Um, tasty. And once more, I I say to all the vegans out there, it's perfectly fine if you're going to live a meatless meatless life. Why you got to go around and mess with meat? Why do you got to have things that look like meat, taste like meat? Just just live your best life. It's going to be okay. All right, that about wraps it up, except for the final thought here for the day. Now, if you have not yet seen The Incredibles 2, there's a beautiful, wonderful short in front of it called Bao. Bao is a Chinese dumpling. And it is uh, the director of Bao actually asked her mother uh, if she could share the mom's recipe for Bao. And this is an illustrated version of that recipe that was posted to uh, Facebook from Pixar's uh, own account. It is beautiful absolutely beautiful and it looks tasty as all get out so we're probably going to try and make it here and uh, it's kind of fun to have uh, this little thing that's uh, just floating out there and it's uh, wonderfully illustrated and uh, i just had to share it with the group and that's the final thought here for the day on the caffeination podcast so if you have any comments feedback suggestions hate mail voicemail whatever else you'd like to throw in our general direction you can reach me at caffeination at gmail.com or paul at caffeination.com you can tweet us at caffeination you can dial the listener line at 215-240-1319 and you you can find this and any of its other podcasted brethren lovingly nestled at www.caffination.com. That is caffeination.com in case you haven't figured it out by now. So this about wraps it up. Thank you for listening. And stay caffeinated, people.